God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this first Sunday in Lent, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I wanted to do what was best for LeBron James and what LeBron James was going to do to make him happy, said LeBron James in a TV interview. I don't know if you follow LeBron James, but he's kind of uh, known for speaking in the third person. It's kind of an odd thing, isn't it, when people do that? You ever been around someone that speaks to him, speaks to the, speaks, refers to themselves in the third person? You know, you would expect Elmo from Sesame Street to talk that way. Elmo loves Big Bird. Or a superhero, Hulk smash. Or a toddler who's just figuring out their self-awareness, you know. Jimmy, Jimmy need go potty. But when you're out to dinner with 40-year-old Bob and Bob says, Bob's full. Bob thinks he's eating too much. Well, kind of weird, isn't it? You know, people can sound pretentious, even narcissistic, when they refer to themselves in the third person. They seem detached from themselves in a strange way, as if, they, as if they're having some out-of-body experience or something. It just doesn't sound right. According to the psychology around it, it doesn't indicate anything wrong with the person who speaks that way. Nevertheless, it's just not the way our language is typically used. And it isn't in the Aramaic or the Greek either. Yet we find Jesus referring to himself in the third person many times in the Gospels. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. You think the disciples were looking at themselves like, why is he talking about himself that way? Why didn't he just say, I, you know, I will be delivered, or you will see me delivered over to the chief priests. The Son of Man seems to be Jesus' favorite self-designation. And is that weird? Well, you'll find him saying it 80 times throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And its meaning varies depending on what exactly he's talking about. But overall, Jesus indicates that though he's fully human being, he's much, much more. And perhaps that's why Jesus refers to himself in the third person. And and it's okay for him to do that. But when any Joe Schmo uses it, even a human being as famous as LeBron James, it sounds kind of weird. It's not the way you and I would probably speak. I would also add that Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man and the Son of God in the Gospels. He doesn't say the Christ will be delivered over to the Gentiles or you will see the Messiah lifted up. Son of man. It's anything but narcissistic or pretentious. It's a messianic title which combines the idea of a servant who will suffer and die for all people and the exalted one whose reign over the entire universe is everlasting. So so no matter what language God chooses to speak to us in or what language we translate his word into, He can refer to himself in the third person as much as he wants.
Matthew records Jesus predicting his death three times and twice in the third person. And I chose the third time for today because he said this after his transfiguration, right? <clears throat> which was last Sunday. And so we need to, you know, we need to be moving on towards Jerusalem and the crucifixion in Lent. But let's take a brief look at the second time he predicts his death in Matthew, which also happen to be verses which don't get, which don't ever get read on Sundays. <clears throat> so we got to go back to Matthew chapter 17, verse 22. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. There he goes again, this third person. And they will kill him. And he will be raised on the third day. <clears throat> and they were greatly distressed. Not because he was referring to himself in the third person, but because of the way, the manner in which he was speaking about himself dying. And then go back a little bit more to the first time he foretells his death. Uh, this one is in the Christian lectionary and does get read every three years. Matthew 16, verse 21. <clears throat> but notice the first prediction doesn't come from Jesus' mouth, but from Matthew's own voice. From the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now, let's go back to where we started. In chapter 20, a large crowd must have been following Jesus from Galilee to the hill country because Matthew says, as they were going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside, you know, kind of like a, a little roadside huddle, right, with them. And he says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem where I'm going to die and be raised up for you and all people. By the way, have I mentioned that on January 10th, 2022, you too can stand 700 feet below sea level in Galilee and have our guide, Eros Berkowitz, point to Jerusalem 2,000 feet above sea level? Did I mention that before? Look at that. There it is. It even has my name on it and our church's name on it. We can literally go up to Jerusalem and see where Christ died and was re resurrected. We could even walk the road as Jesus did. It takes three and a half days to walk it from Galilee to Jerusalem. Uh, we'll have a bus though, and it takes about an hour and a half. An hour and a half to see the most important place that you could ever be in. And the world is a big place, isn't it? The other day, Jill sent me an article about Christians in Nigeria under terrible uh, attack by Muslim militants. And I wanted to see where this was happening, so <clears throat> I get onto uh, Google Earth. You ever get onto Google Earth? You know, it's an internet site that you can zoom in on different parts of the world and in, in such clear detail you can actually see people on the ground. You know, these pictures are taken from satellites. Well, I wanted to see where this was taking place, so I zoom in, in on Nigeria. And first of all, Nigeria is a huge country. It's big. 
356,000 square miles of dense jungle in the south to arid desert in the north. But as I zoomed in, I could see there are people living in settlements all over that country. Millions of people. When Jesus walked from Galilee to Jerusalem to do the most important thing in history, no doubt there were thousands, if not tens of thousands of people living in Nigeria, in that part of the world. They had no clue what was about to happen 2,000 miles away in a place they couldn't even conceive of. Same thing in China, Scandinavia, North America, South America. One man among hundreds of millions roaming the earth at that time did a thing so big in one little tiny part of the world for you and me and all people. But of course, this is no ordinary man, right? He is also the Son of God. He is God. The depth of humanity's sin, your sin and my sin included, was and is such that the only the death of God's Son can clear the debt. The world may be a big place, but our little world of everyday life, well, we make it seem big, don't we? Every little thing needs our attention. Every bill, every doctor's appointment, every homework assignment or exam, every rehearsal, every text or email, every meeting, every shift, it's always the most important thing in your world at the time. Yes, people and things need our attention in life, but Jesus is the most important person. And what he has to teach you and give you are the most important things in this world. We live in two kingdoms, remember? The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. We got a foot in both. And the left foot in the kingdom of this world often gets the better of us, doesn't it? Look at what this woman says to Jesus as he and the disciples are setting off up the road to the hill country in Jerusalem. This is the mother of James and John running after this crowd as they head off to Jerusalem. She gets on her knees and not out of humility or reverence for Jesus, but out of selfish motherly pride pleads with Jesus to make her two boys the greatest in the kingdom. Mothers, wouldn't you want that for your sons if they were leaving home and everything behind to follow a prophet of God? Sure you would. You'd want your sons to be the most important ones. But he says to her, woman, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to go through the suffering I'm about to go through? And what's funny about this uh, is that he's talking to her and the other people that are around hear the question and they all like, oh yeah, we're ready. Oh yeah, we can do it. He says back to them, yeah, you will suffer one day for my sake. But it's not up to me who sits at my right hand and my left. That's the father's business. And notice, nobody seems to get what he's saying because the other guys in the crowd become envious and angry 
at James and John for even being mentioned by someone else as potentially being important. James and John didn't say anything to promote themselves. They didn't do anything wrong to be treated like that. So Jesus takes those two aside and says, look guys, what your mom is suggesting is not going to happen. Being lofty and important and lording it over people might be the way that things work in this world under the Roman Empire, but not in my kingdom. Not with you two and the others. To be the greatest means to serve the other. I am the greatest, and yet I came to serve, not be served. So follow me. Follow my example. I will continue to teach you how to be this way. And so he does to the very end. Today, he teaches us that in his kingdom, humility and serving others is the most highly valued thing. Not acclaim and power. Yet also today, the lust for power and authority over others continues to be a problem in the Christian community, among the clergy and the laity alike. Sin doesn't discriminate. But at the end of the day, none of the stuff of the church makes anyone great. That's because the many things God has done makes Jesus, the Son, great. The greatest, in fact. Among them, the chief thing is his sacrificial walk up that road to the capital city of God. Through the gates of Jerusalem, through its streets to the temple, back out to the Mount of Olives, back into Pilate's office, to the place of the skull where he was nailed to the cross for you and me. To take away your sin and mine, and give us life which lasts forever, all out of His love for us. Amazing. But Pastor Don must stop now. Pastor Don feels he has said all he can say about this text, and he is very tired. Pastor Don wishes that the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.